Hello again, Kobo and Conversation listeners. It's Nathan here with a special bonus episode of the show. We had such a good time recording the Staff Picks special, we kept going afterwards with a few more picks, and we're bringing them to you here. Plus, even though we had over a dozen folks put up their hands with books to recommend, I thought there was one particular member of the Kobo staff we needed to get a book recommendation from. So settle in, open your Kobo wish list, or however you build your to-read pile, and get to know some more of my colleagues and the books they want to tell you about. Hi, tell us who you are and what you do at Kobo. I'm Joanna Kurzlin. Um, I'm a content management specialist at Kobo, so I generally work to improve and grow the catalog. Excellent. We always need more books. <laughs> tell us about the book you're recommending today. Uh, so the book is called What We Don't Talk About When We Talk About Fat by Aubrey Gordon. Um, Aubrey Gordon used to be anonymous and write um, articles about fatness and anti-fat bias. Uh, and at that point, she went by Your Fat Friend. Um, she recently started a podcast with Michael Hobbs from You're Wrong About called Maintenance Phase. Oh, um, okay. And now she has released this book. What is it about her her as a, as a thinker, as a voice that really compels you? So as a fat woman myself, um, I've always found her work really helpful in terms of building bridges between myself um, and street-sized people, uh, friends and family. I would give some of her pieces to read uh, if there was something about me that I couldn't really articulate that I wanted them to understand. So I've been following her work for quite a while. Uh, this book I was really excited about because it doesn't just talk about her experience of being fat. It also goes into fat justice um, and kind of examines the history of how we got to this point where anti-fat bias is so readily accepted. Are there other books that you feel like it's in conversation with lately? There are a lot of memoirs uh, by fat people out there kind of talking about their experiences, but I feel like this is unique in the way that it kind of looks at the broader history of fatness in society. What do you usually tend to read if nonfiction isn't, uh, isn't normally where, you, where you're drawn? So I read a lot of uh, YA, mostly about fat people. I also like to read more fantasy um, and just really any fiction. So um, tell us again, the book you're recommending? What We Don't Talk About When We Talk About Fat by Aubrey Gordon. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Joanna. No problem. Tell us who you are and what do you do at Kobo? I'm Brian Cullen. I'm the VP of Global Operations. What is a VP of Global Operations, if I can be so bold as to ask you that? Uh, that's, a, that's a deep question. Um, <laughs> well, right now I lead a team of uh, very amazing technologists and try to plan out ways for Kobo to ensure that we 
provide our services to our customers on a 24 by seven basis at a level of quality that's second to none. Right. It's all about the engine room, huh? You got it. Yeah. We, we get our hands dirty. <laughs> what is the book you're recommending to us today, Brian? I listened to an audiobook. Uh, I listened to Mr. Mercedes, uh, and it was narrated by Will Patton. And then, of course, Mr. Mercedes is by Stephen King. S- Stephen King, yes. Sorry, I just assumed <laughs> no. everybody just knows that. Well, you know, audiobook fans will know that Will Patton has narrated a number of Stephen King's audiobooks. So he is, he is what really drew me. I mean, the book itself was uh, got a great storyline. Um, Stephen King kind of going into the whole uh, detective crime genre. Uh, which is different compared to what I usually read by him. But to Will Patton really made the story, um, his ability to take on the different voices and personas of the characters, um, the pacing and the, uh, it was just very effective. And I ended up listening to all three of the books related to this trilogy, obviously. Um, and then went on to listen to him do um, like The Outsider and some of the other books. And we'll continue to find books that he narrates. I find him, uh, he's excellent. He just adds a whole dimension to the book. Wow. So you were, you went in as a Stephen King fan yeah. and you, you exited this trilogy, a Will Patton fan. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like I went in, um, not knowing uh, i had a friend who had actually recommended the tv show um which uh, brendan gleason plays uh the main the main character um but i've never picked it up i've started with um the audiobook as i like to uh i, I find that i'm more inclined to have time for audiobooks mm-hmm. and once i got into will Patton, uh i would listen to it all the time and then i chewed through all three of the books i think in a couple of weeks time and uh, went on to just try to find him narrating other uh, works. So yeah, I guess so. And it's a, it's a departure for King, right? You mentioned it's more of a, it's more of a detective story. Yeah. It's a crime novel. So it's not, uh, it does have its elements. I mean, it's Stephen King. So he's always going to touch back on some, uh, to a certain extent, some supernatural aspects uh, and later on in the trilogy. I don't want to give anything too far away. Mm-hmm. Um, but to start with, it's just straight uh, retired cop, um, criminal, and uh, the cat and mouse game that they play uh, against each other. And it's always that one where you're with Stephen King, he always draws you in so that you can't put it down. Like it's, mm-hmm. that's so cliche to say but you want to see what happens. Like, do they catch him? Does he get away? Does the person get hurt? Like, how does it happen? And I love that. Um, the, I love that Will Patton adds each character has their own um, accents and personas and cadence of their speech and everything like that, which it almost makes it sound like your uh, theater of the mind. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, it doesn't have the folly or any of that other piece. It's just got one person talking, but it, he takes on so many different characters. It feels like you're in a, you're watching a movie with your mind, right? Mm, audio. Yeah. Amazing. I was going to ask you, cause one of the things I personally really admire about Stephen King is, is he does vernacular so well mm-hmm. that it's almost effortless the way he captures right. like regional dialect on the page, like let alone vocal performance, like on the page as characters read in this way that's not exactly grammatical, but is always it always situates them. And you're saying you're saying Will Patton it, it navigates that map. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I was quite um, 
quite shocked at how much I really enjoyed the the book and then really was thirsting for the next one. Uh, and I just was surprised at how much I really enjoyed it. his narration and then his narration and character uh, development with Stephen King's um, kind of pop culture, sci-fi, all the character development. He knows exactly how to scale things, meter things so that they happen at the right time to keep you interested and engaged. Um, knows how to cut things off and leave you hanging, then to pick it up later, a chapter later. Even though he might uh, participate in a genre that some people aren't interested in, like thriller or horror in general, you still have mm-hmm. to respect him as being a writer because he's, uh, he's put together some of the best stories, which might not be horror. I mean, his... Yeah. Um, uh, the work he's done on the the Green Mile and things like that were terrific. Yeah. To review, the book you're recommending is uh, Mr. Mercedes to start with, but really it's Mr. Mercedes uh, narrated by Will Patton. I would I would say that it just adds a um, an element that you uh, you just can't get. It's somewhere between watching the movie itself or yeah. watching the show itself and reading the book on your own. He just adds an element that's just so entertaining. It's uh, incredible. Yeah. And and we and we've forgotten the author again. It's Stephen, it's Stephen King, King, of course. Stephen it's King. great. It's and that's a testament to Will Patton right there. That there for, you go. For, for you, these books are by Will Patton. <laughs> <laughs> He's taken something amazing and made it even better. Let's just put it that way. Thank you, Brian. Hey, no problem. Thanks very much. So tell us who you are and what you do at Kobo. I'm Allison, and I'm the Director of Business Operations at Kobo. And what's the book you're recommending to us, Allison? I am recommending the book Severance by Ling Ma. What is Severance all about? Uh, Severance is this kind of satirical, dystopian, science fiction-y novel about the life of a woman who works in publishing in New York at the time of a uh, global pandemic that takes over the world. So nothing familiar there so big, at all. Big imagination required to get your head around this one. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, <laughs> totally unfamiliar. What is the nature of the pandemic? The pandemic in this book is called Shen Fever, and it's a fungal infection that has originated in China. Um, but in this case, it's not, it's not passed on from person to person. It's passed on through spores. Um, And when it infects a person, it effectively turns them into kind of a zombie, causes them to get stuck repeating a particular pattern of their routine over and over again, like setting the dinner table or restocking their shelves at work. Creepy and kind of gross because it's fungus. Mm -hmm. This sounds haunting, the idea of a world full of people just in in a repetition, uh, dramatization of their own life. How did this book find you? It had been on my to-read list for a couple of years. I think it came out in 2018. And then at uh, the beginning of, you know, 2020 when coronavirus happened, there were a bunch of, these are books you should read or definitely not read uh, during this pandemic. And that was on all of them. And I was like, well, I love to lean into any uncomfortable feeling that I have. So why not? Why, why wouldn't this be the time? Do you remember if it was, uh, was it on a, was it on a list of don't read and you were just being contrary? I think it was a little bit of both. It was on like a very, a a bunch of, you know, topical books. And then on a list that I very much remember being like, you should avoid these books if you're feeling particularly stressed. And I was like, 
I would love to not heed that advice at all. When you're not rejecting the advice of um, uh, people recommending books, where, what do you usually like to read? Is this, is this close to, to your wheelhouse? Yeah, this is pretty, this is pretty in my wheelhouse. I've been really into lately, even before, you know, the pandemic, these kind of like vaguely dystopian kind of bio horror vision of the world that's entirely possible and actually very close. Those kinds of things. I, that's kind of what I like to read anyway. Okay. So it sounds like this is the most uh, topical of the lot for now. Okay. I won't ask you if, if they ever come up with a, uh, with a cure for it. I mean, there is no vaccine for a spore, so... Um, we can, we'll see if science is, uh, readers will have to find out if science holds, I guess. Yeah, you'll have to, to read to find out how that one ends. Uh, tell us again, the book and the author? The book is Severance, and the author is Ling Ma. That sounds amazing and creepy, and, uh, and I hope nobody will be contrary. I hope people will go ahead and read it. Definitely should. It's a great book. Thanks, Allison. Thanks, Nathan. Can you tell me who you are and what you do for Kobo? I am Michael Tamblin, and I am CEO of Rakuten Kobo. I understand you also host a podcast? <laughs> I do! <laughs> it's fantastic. You really should listen to it. It's called Kobo in Conversation. Uh, and mostly through the genius agency of my producer, I find uh, all of these incredible authors that I get to talk to on a regular basis. It both forces me to read excellent books, uh, sometimes outside of my comfort zone, and hopefully share some of that uh, spirit of exploration with others. Well, I, I guess I must check out this Kobo and Conversation. Uh, Michael, tell us, what book, uh, what book are you going to tell us all about right now? So this was a, this was a strange year in reading for me uh, because I found myself, as I think a lot of people have, sort of reading outside of the genres that usually gave me comfort or usually gave, that I would be, kind of be my regular go-tos. So on the fiction side, I kind of veered away from uh, from literary fiction, and I was looking for things that made me feel good. So sometime around probably like mid-May, I stumbled upon a writer named uh, J. Ryan Stradal, and he wrote a book called Kitchens of the Great Midwest, uh, which is a, uh, it's this series of kind of linked vignettes that circle around this one woman who is you know, essentially a prodigy of food, but her kind of leaning into that and becoming that role um, takes a long time. It takes a lot of twists and turns, and it's all seen through other people that she encounters over the course of her life, and has a you know a big sort of you know an unexpected twists and uh, you know, sort of interesting surprises along the way. And, uh, and it was just fantastic. Kitchens of the Great Midwest feels episodic. It feels like, we're, like you're going to get bite-sized pieces of reading. And we know from, from talking with our other colleagues about their picks for the year, reading was a little tough. And some of us, some of us really uh, took solace in, in books that, that went down one bite at a time. Is this like that? Or am I reading too much into the title? I attacked it with a certain level of gluttony. I think you could... <laughs> have you it was certainly a book that you could have picked up and sat down and 
and enjoyed as a series of episodes. Each chapter or each story is built around a particular food or has a food at the center. The first one is lutefisk, which if you've, if you've ever hung out with uh, Scandinavians is this traditional fermented fish dish, which is uh, to everyone who, uh, <laughs> who has, has ever encountered it, uh, absolutely incomprehensible as a delicacy to anyone who hasn't grown up with it. But then you get into, you know, chocolate habanero and sweet pepper jelly and, mm. uh, you know, all kinds of like bits and pieces along the way. And, uh, so it's, it's both episodic. It is a series of morsels and it is, uh, it kind of takes you through a range of senses at a time when I think we were all feeling a little sensorily deprived. I know you're an enthusiastic, uh, and, and skilled, um, cook. Did this, did this inspire you to try things that maybe, uh, you hadn't tried before, uh, leaving aside, you know, fermented dishes of, uh, of Northern Europe? I think the thing that it really struck for me was that, that experience of entertaining and having people in your home and how as much as food is nourishment, it's also this personal connection. It's nurturing. It's a way of, of communicating your care for other people. And that of all, of all the things that were taken away from us this year was the one that I really felt because A, I love having people in my home. B, I show my love for people by trying to overfeed them. And, uh, <laughs> and, and C, it just, it's, this book speaks to the different ways that that kind of communication can enter into people's lives through the food that they make. That sounds actually like a really great book to cuddle up with if maybe if maybe readers are struggling to uh, come to terms with with the circumstances we all kind of find ourselves yeah. in this this holiday season. Can I sneak in one more? I may be the producer, but you are the chief executive <laughs> of the company, so yeah. That was a fiction one that I've got a nonfiction one, which takes the absolute other approach where in a world where it really did think, seem like things were falling apart for a while, this book takes that to its logical conclusion. It was called The End of Everything by Katie Mack. Okay. And the subtitle is The End of Everything, Astrophysically Speaking, uh, just to be clear. Uh, Katie Mack is a theoretical physicist at the Perimeter Institute in Waterloo, Canada, which is one of the top research institutes around uh, theoretical physics. And what she focuses on are the different potential models for the end of the universe. Are we going into heat death? Are we going to have the counter, like the, the kind of the opposite of the Big Bang in the Big Crunch? And then far more interesting and more bizarre states going on from there. And what was so helpful about it to me, aside from just being incredibly accessible and engaging and entertaining yeah. in terms of talking about what I'm sure are some very complicated and very advanced physics, but came across in this conversational and sometimes you know, very funny way was that it totally changes your sense of scale and proportion. As much as we're all, we all have things that we're struggling with right now, this is talking about ranges of billions of years on one hand, and is also talking about things like fractions 
a billionths of you know, nanoseconds at the beginning of the universe. And so you get this combination of incredibly small and incredibly large, you know, the end of everything. And it absolutely puts your inability to get to a restaurant or <laughs> the fact that you hate wearing a mask into uh, perspective because at some point we were all compressed into this incredibly, almost unimaginably dense, tiny space. And at some point it's all going to end and we've got a lot of time between now and then. So it was the uh, ultimate antidote for uh, for feeling like the world was ending. It may, but uh, you know, it's really all a matter of how you look at it. I didn't expect to get uh, the sort of a solution to existential dread uh, from you, but I'm delighted. So <laughs> that's that's great. Happy to help. <laughs> so tell us again, your your fiction pick is Kitchens of the Great Midwest by J. Ryan Stradal. And my nonfiction pick is The End of Everything by Katie Mack. I can't think of a better way to end this then. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Nathan. So that's it. We'll be back next week to start the second half of season three of Kobo in Conversation. Look for Kobo in Conversation in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you do your podcast listening, and subscribe so you never miss a conversation. Thanks for listening.